Hey everybody and welcome back to Weiwo.tv. It is our Dirty 30 today. Love that. We have Mike Reese on the show, very special guest. We also will feature a musical performance by Squid Mother. I'm a huge fan of these guys. Alright, let's uh, let's hop over to Happy Harem in New York, home of the George Carlin Podcast Studio, and meet up with our host, BJ Mendelssohn. So I, I will I will ask you uh one Simpsons question, if I can have just the one. Is that okay? You can ask as many as you want. I mean, I know if, if anyone's at all interested in listening to me, that's what they want to hear. But as long as I can get the podcast in. Yeah, no, the podcast is wonderful. Um, I've Thank spent, you. I've spent the past few days going back and because I've been listening to it once a week. So I haven't heard some of the older episodes like the North Korea one. Uh, or going to Iran. So I haven't heard those until uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so let me, so I'll ask you my one, my one question and then we'll go right into the podcast, uh, which is just, uh, it's really more of me saying thank you um, because you wrote on one of the Treehouse of Horrors where uh, Homer buys Bart a cursed crusty doll. Um, and I, I just have to tell you that every so often, you know, if I'm out walking the dogs in LA, because uh, this just happened to me recently, uh, I will start chuckling at that exchange between Homer and the shopkeeper. Uh, and I've been persistently doing that for about 25 years where it'll just pop into my head uh, and I'll start laughing. So I just want to say thank you. And then uh, if there's anything that about that particular scene, I know it was a long time ago. Um, I would love to just ask you about where that, where that originated from, if you know. Is this the Froger scene? Yes, Is that- yes that's the yes, Froger scene. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember exactly how it happened. And uh yeah, we can talk about that. Or I can tell you now or on the show. Yeah, well, let me, I'll do a quick introduction. Um, I will start now. Since I'm recording through Zoom, I can just, I'll stop here. And then in a moment, I'll say it. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Weibo TV. Uh, there's so many different things that I can credit and title you with. You're the co-creator of one of my favorite uh, cartoons from the early, the late 90s and early 2000s with The Critic. Um, and you are also responsible for a scene in The Simpsons that makes me laugh 25 years plus <laughs> after. Uh, and for people that are just joining us, uh, the scene in particular is Treehouse of Heart number three, where Homer goes and buys Bart a cursed crusty doll um, at a like forbidden Froger chili shop. Uh, and so I've always wanted to just ask you about that scene and just what the construction of it was like and where it came from. Yeah, I think uh, Jake Hogan and Wally Walladarsky did the original script for that. And, uh, boy, they, they'll kill me if I get this wrong. But a lot of work, always on the Halloween shows, just require a ton of work in the writer's room, rewritten. And that whole episode was rewritten heavily. And the segment about Frogert and Froyo or something, I forget what it was, but you seem to remember it yes. 30 years on uh i think al Jean just spit that out in the writer's <laughs> room and now al al's been running the show for 22 years he's my best friend we were roommates in college but i watched him just spit that out about froger and i just said where did that come from the guy still surprises me all, all the time yeah it's it's just so well constructed like it's it's such a great sketch within a sketch of the larger episode. Um, but I, I want to talk- That whole scene, by the way, is a parody of the opening of the movie, Gremlins. It would, it would have been obvious to everybody at the time, but 
you know, three right. decades have passed. Yeah, and for me, you know, I I don't remember what year Gremlins came out. I I, I caught Gremlins later because I have older siblings that are Gen Xers. Uh, so for me, like in a lot of instances, The Simpsons was like the first introduction to the things it was parodying. Like I would see the Simpsons version and go, what was that? And then someone would say, oh, it was a scene from Gremlins and I, I would go back and, and search for it. Uh, yeah, I just, it, it was, it's terrific. It's something I, I giggle at consistently, but I want to talk to you about the podcast because I know you do a lot of interviews where they talk about the Simpsons uh, and, and justifiably so, but the podcast that you've been doing is terrific. And so would you just take a moment to just give us the, the elevator pitch for it? Yes. You know, I, uh, I work at the Simpsons. I now work there one day a week. I go in every Wednesday and I'm just part of the gang writing the show. And that gives me six days a week to travel. And my wife loves to travel and I love my wife. So if I want to see her, I have to go to Libya or <laughs> Ivory Coast or North Korea. And so over the past 20 years, we've been to 137 countries and We've been to the North Pole and the South Pole. And if, if they ever find an East Pole, I'll go there too. And uh, we took the biggest trip of our life this week, which I'll just, I'll get to in yeah. a moment. But that's it. We go everywhere. And, you know, there's a lot of travel shows out there, but there's not a tra any kind of travel show by a guy who hates to travel, by a guy <laughs> who finds himself in places he doesn't want to be. And those are the only places my wife wants to go. So, yes, we've been to Iran and Iraq and North Korea, all the places people are scared to death to go to. And that's your nightmare. And it's my vacation. And you, the podcast is so well constructed. Like there are these little zingers um, that are wonderful. Like there's a line in the episode about going to Iran where you said uh, they may be anti-Semites, but they're still Semites. Like there are just uh -huh. like, like these wonderfully constructed little zingers. And so I'm curious just about how you approach writing, writing each episode of the podcast. Yeah, I guess we should prep people. It's <laughs> my podcast is not like this podcast. It's not like yes. most podcasts, which is just a couple of guys shooting the breeze. Uh, my thing is, is written and produced and scripted like a radio show. It's me and it's only 15 minutes. It's not a big commitment. Uh, and it's just me telling the story of some horrible vacation we took and uh, with music and sound effects. And I have lots of guest actors in there. My wife plays herself. And uh, uh, but that's so that so the way it, the episodes come about is, again, I'm just traveling 40, 50 weeks a year. And. Sometimes the vacation is good and I go, hey, this is great. And sometimes it's mediocre and I go, well, it's not fun, but I'm not getting a podcast out of it. But every once in a while, the trip goes way south. It goes so bad that I, I'm at least sitting there going, well, I can do a podcast out of this. And that's it. And they're, they're not all complaints and they're not all horror stories. Some of them are the good surprises. They're, it's a are the vacations where I think it's going to be just awful and it turns out to be quite great. So uh, like Syria, Syria is a place yes. you wouldn't think you could have a good time in, but I really loved it there. Hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. 
Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay, too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like, for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. And if you don't give B.J. your money, you and I are going to have problems. Big ones. Hi, I'm Mike Reese. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. But in my spare time, I travel. I've been to Iran, Iraq, the North Pole, the South Pole, Chernobyl. (laughs) These are my vacations, folks. I've even been to North Korea. That's the scary Korea. It's all in my new travel podcast on the Believe Network called What Am I Doing Here? It's fast, it's funny, and it's factual enough. You'll hear how I was robbed in Rio, kidnapped in Honduras, dangled from a cliff in Pakistan, and chased by a lady with a meat cleaver again in Honduras. I had a lot of problems in Honduras. Each week I visit all the world's hot spots and hell holes so you don't have to. You're welcome. Download and subscribe to What Am I Doing Here? wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and that, that's why I like so much about the show because it, it's a travelogue. And, and even with the Iran episode, like, you know, it starts out with, with this joke. Um, but by the end of the episode, you're talking about how great the, the food is and how nice the people are. And it, it's just like it's, it's this nice arc that you take people on throughout each episode. And so yes, you, we should mention that the podcast yes. is called yes. What Am I Doing Here? It's yes. called What Am I Doing Here? I think that says it all. And you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. It's on Spotify and iTunes and all of those places. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny because the show is called, this show is called What Are You Working On? And yours is What Am I Doing Here? So it's just like a, a people going through an identity crisis would love both of these shows, right? <laughs> Uh, let me let me ask you. So, did you did I hear this right that the that your doorman also provided some of the voices? Yes, <laughs> that was it. You know, uh, just to go back a little about what you know, I moved to New York uh, fifteen years ago, and you know, like anyone in New York, I had a doorman who ignored me every day. And then one night, he saw me on TV. He saw me on the Simpsons documentary, and from that moment on. He's been auditioning for me. He would do funny voices when I came in in the morning. He'd do funny voices when I left. Uh, And it it got really to the point where I said, I'm going to start using uh, the service entrance because I can't be auditioned to. So, you know, 15 years later, I decided to do this podcast. And I, I, you know, I was worried. I go, I can't do all the voices. This isn't a voice people want to hear for 15 minutes uh and then it hit me i just i literally like in a movie i woke up in the middle of the night and sat up in bed and i go trevor the doorman he can do the voices and i go 
no matter how bad he is, the only job requirement is he's got to be, he's got to sound different than me. So I bring Trevor in, I give him this job, I pay him 50 bucks an episode. And it turns out he's fantastic. He is fantastic. He can do any accent. I've given him assignments. I say, you got to learn to imitate this marginal celebrity no one's heard of. And he'll do that. He's funny. He can ad lib. Uh, and he takes direction really well. So my doorman is, is literally as good as anyone I've worked with before. It's, what, was, what, what do you think is the toughest voice that you've asked him to take on? Uh, you know, it was like I said, I need you to do my friend Eames Demetrios. <laughs> He's just some guy, and here's 30 seconds of tape on YouTube, and he did that. Uh, I'll tell you another funny thing about it. It's, it's, been, it's made the podcast really fun, which is during the development of the podcast, the rules of voiceover suddenly changed. It used to be black people could do white people and straight people could play gay people. And about two years ago, that suddenly became wrong. And we had to change everything at The Simpsons. And we're fine with it. We're fine with the rule. But this is a show about international travel. And so uh, when I would talk about when I would have characters from Asia or India or Middle East, I said, I better get someone who talks like that or. They don't have to talk like it. They just have to be from there. And luckily, I know a lot of people and I've met people in my travels. And so uh, all of my Middle Eastern shows, I go, wait, you know, 20 years ago, I met a comedian named Dan Dude, and he's Iranian. Maybe he can do this. And Dan Dude is now now plays every Middle Easterner in the world on my show. And he's fantastic. He's a wonderful, wonderful actor. And I've I didn't even know he's on Cobra Kai now. He's he's a genuine working actor who does my podcast for <laughs> in exchange for Amazon gift certificates. And uh, this was funny. I did. I was doing an episode about China, and I said, "Who do I know that's Chinese?" And it was almost like a miracle. There was a knock at my door, and it was my Chinese neighbor from across the hall. And she said, "My refrigerator is broken." Now the woman's never talked to me in her life. <laughs> He said, my refrigerator is broken. Can I use your fridge? I said, you can use my fridge if you come into my studio and record my podcast. And she played every woman in China. And uh, so that's it. And what I found casting the net this wide is about two thirds of people can act. Two thirds of people are really good. And then a third of them are just clueless and horrible <laughs> And, uh, you know, you got to use them, too. But, uh, but uh, you know, I use my doorman uh, to do all these funny voices, but I needed an Irish accent. And we have an Irish doorman. And uh, my other doorman got jealous that I was I said, I'm going to ask the other doorman to play the Irish guy. And I sit him down in front of the mic. This man's never acted. He's the doorman. And he just says. So what do you want? He said, do you want a Galway Irishman or do you want a Dublin Irishman? You want me to turn it up? Is he first generation or second generation? Everybody's a professional now. <laughs> right. Yes. It seems that way, right? Like it's yeah. in, a way, in a lot of respects, you have to be, right? Because if you have, if you're putting out if anyone can put out content, right, then you have to be able to to be sort of like a chameleon, uh, to be yes. successful at it, right? So I, I feel like it's a skill set that 
particularly the younger generation now has built in. Uh, and then everyone else is sort of just adjusting and adapting to this. Uh, let me let me ask you, like, what, what's what goes into the the choice of the, the music? Because the music is very like fun and circusy, and I'm just curious, like, where that came from. Yes, it comes. Gosh, I, I can't even remember the name. It's like Empire Sound or Emporium. I forget the service. Uh, but again, uh, this is just how kind of fly by night the whole thing started <laughs> out was. When I put the podcast together, I said, I need a producer. I'm, I'm so low tech. I don't know how to do any of this. And luckily, I've been a guest on 7,000 podcasts. <laughs> I am the perfect podcast guest in that I'm not famous, but if you tell people who I am, then they go, oh, okay. <laughs> so, And I never say no. So I remembered a podcast I had done like five years before, and I really like the producer and i thought he was funny and I, he was sharp and i tracked him down he said whoa who what you're calling me why are you bothering me and i said can you do this podcast and his, his name is josh perillo and he does every episode and you know he understands because he has to piece it together because yes. there's so many guest voices he understands comedy timing he picks the best music sound effects so that's you know, I have approval on it, but I really let Josh Torello do what he wants to do on the show. Yeah, he does. He does terrific work. Like this, I can't, I can't recommend this show enough because of you know what? What's great about it is it's because you, as you mentioned, it's only fifteen minutes, uh, which yeah. is like which is the sweet spot for podcasts. You know, even this one is about a half hour, and that seems too long sometimes. <laughs> yeah, uh, like today, right. <laughs> But like 15 minutes is such a great like package deal, right? Like you can go and you can get ready for work and you can listen. And so like it slides into that sweet spot so well. And, and so I'm curious, like, do you get, do you hear from the audience that, that listens to the shows? Do, do they tell you what they're doing while listening? No, no. That's the funny thing. You know, the podcast, if you go on uh, Apple or if you go on iTunes, you'll see it is the literally the best reviewed podcast out there it's it's got only five star ratings and yet i never hear from anyone i never have never gotten like an inch of press anywhere not a mention anywhere in the media so this is the big time for me to be on your show <laughs> see that, uh, that so, that's a shame because it's you know, there's always there's always these you know, well you know what it is is usually it's the people that cover podcasting have their favorites yeah, and, and those are the ones that sort of get featured in those like top twenty-two uh, podcasts. And so sometimes I think you get a show like this where it's funny, it's well packaged, it's everything that you would want a podcast to be, but it's not on their radar. Yeah, and I mean, I don't can, know if you you knew this. I looked it up. There are two and a half million podcasts yes. out there. So well, I mean, I would tell people, "Oh, I'm doing a." I would write to my friends when I first launched this thing, and I would say. I hope you'll listen to my podcast. And they write back and go, I'll listen to yours if you listen to mine. Yes. It's like, oh, <laughs> you have one too. I, and and I would think, I don't want to listen to your podcast. I just want you to listen to mine. Exactly. You know, it's it's funny because it, it seems like everyone's got one. But what I've, what I've done, because I work in marketing, right? And so I've done the research and there's about 4 million podcasts. But of the 4 million, about 90% of them have not updated like in the last 30 days. So there, yeah. there, are, there are far fewer that, that really update. The thing is, is that if you work in the entertainment business, 
uh, or adjacent to entertainment business in my, in my case, uh, it seems like everyone's got one, right? Because yeah. like we, because we all need that creative outlet um, because it's hard to get something, as, as you know, um, it's hard to get something like on the air and produced and, and out there, right? So there's just this flood, but it's only among a certain crowd. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Harriman Herald Radio Show. I'm an artificial intelligence using a dead guy's voice for a comedy routine. You can call me Paul Shackman, a name I found randomly in the phone book. It's a very interesting name. How does one become a Shackman? Do you need to build a shack, or would renting one be enough to earn you the name? Did Paul's ancestors own a lot of shacks? Who did they have to kill to acquire them? How many victims are there? And where did they bury all those bodies? The world may never know. We only have time this week for one story, so we go live now to Nancy Diamante at New York Stewart International Airport. Nancy. Thank you, Paul. I'm here at the Pull the Plane event taking place at what was once known simply as Stewart Airport. The event has attracted over 350,000 visitors, a number previously unfathomable to the organizer of the event, Harold Murray. I don't understand it. I thought maybe we'd get 100 people, maybe 250, tops, but 350,000. We're going to need the National Guard to straighten this situation out. The trouble began when Harold posted in the Harriman Library's Facebook group about why he wanted to organize the event. I said, I'm suffering right now from a deep existential dread. My country has been taken over by large corporations. One political party, the Republicans, are racist, crazy and anti-woman. And the other, the Democrats are corrupt and always act to benefit the corporations when nobody is looking. I vote. I organize. I donate. Nothing changes. Nothing I say or do matters. So, I'm just going to get high and pull an airplane around with my teeth. Who wants to help make it happen? Can you tell us what happened next? Yes. Well, as you can tell. I'm not capable of pulling an airplane around with my teeth. I'm 57 years old and have a hernia. That's pretty clear from my profile photo. Or so I thought. A lot of people liked and commented on the post. When I told people I wanted to hold an event for a local charity. And not actually pull an airplane around with my teeth. The post exploded from there. What made the post go viral? People thought I was kidding about the charity part. Really? Everyone thought you were serious about pulling an airplane around with your teeth. That's right. And every time I tried to back out of it. People just kept escalating it from there. Someone who saw the post found a Boeing plane at the airport that the company forgot about. Another man had a surprising amount of bungee cord that probably warrants a visit from the state troopers. To top it all off, New York Stewart International is rarely busy. Unless you want to fly to Iceland. So despite my best efforts to call it all off, the event just kind of came together. So I said, fine. I'll do it. What was going through your mind when you said that? Who's going to drive to Newburgh to see a 57-year-old orthodontist get high and pull an airplane around with his teeth? About 350,000 people. Nancy, I am freaking out right now. And you're not even high. That's correct. Are you going to go through with it? I'd look like a real asshole if I didn't. This is Nancy Diamante for the Harriman Herald. Thank you, Nancy. That's all the news from Happy Harriman, New York this week. We now return to what are you working on with BJ Mendelssohn? already in progress. And it was funny, you know, I sign up, but let me tell you the yeah, origin story of this, because I think it's really funny, which is, um, as I mentioned, I go into the Simpsons every Wednesday. That's been my job for 20 years. And mostly nobody cares what I've been up to the other <laughs> six days. But one guy, Matt Selman, you know, one of our very best writers, Matt would always go, what did you do this week? And, you know, you ask someone that and usually, oh, I cleaned out the garage or, you know, we mowed the lawn or something like that. And I would say, oh, I went to Australia or, 
I got kidnapped in Honduras. <laughs> and finally, Selman says to me, you can't waste these stories on me, man. You got to do a podcast. And I said, I don't want to do a podcast. He goes, I know everybody in podcasting. He said, if you make a podcast, I'll get it out there. So I go, all right. And I bought two grand worth of equipment and I wrote three episodes and recorded them and paid the guy to produce them. And then I go back to Matt Selman and I go, here's the first three episodes. Who do you know in podcasting? He goes, I don't know anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So that was it. I was, I, he got me rolling and I, luckily there are so many podcasts. I was able to hook up with this company, Believe, B-L-E-A-V, and they do 300 sports podcasts and me. And so, <laughs> Do you get, do you find, um, have you heard an ad for your show on one of the sports podcasts? Like if you listen to something about the Patriots and then all of a sudden <laughs> there's an ad? No, I don't know. <laughs> I literally have no idea if they're, if, if they're playing ads at all. And uh, the other funny thing with the podcast was when I first sold it, I said, they said, how many do you have in you? I said, I think I'm going to do about 30 episodes. That's what I think I've got. And I did 31. It took 31 episodes, 31 weeks on the air. Uh, The last episode ended with me saying, well, this is it. I think I'm out of stories. Thanks for not listening. (laughs) And uh, the next week, the company calls, hey, we got two advertisers. (laughs) And I go, well, clearly you don't listen to the podcast because I just wrapped it up. Uh, but so I kept the show going just to just to just have somewhere to put these ads. And the ads, by the way, are $13. So it took them nine months to find a company with 13 bucks to blow <laughs> on a right. podcast ad. But uh, so now I do it sporadically and I do it, you know, every time I have a weird or crazy or terrible trip. And luckily, uh, just since December, I've had nothing but terrible experiences. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great, well, great, for, know, great for our listeners. But oh, no, I've had terrible experiences. Uh, you, mentioned, oh, yeah. you mentioned you it's were on the okay picture. They're bad experiences, but, <laughs> you know, they're funny. They make me laugh. And once I talk about them, get them on the air. I do never think about them again. Yes. That's got to be kind of nice, right? Like that's kind of, because the brain isn't really meant to hold and store all these things, right? It's really more for processing. So it's, it must be kind of a relief to like get everything down on paper and, and be like, okay, this is, this was a trip that I ran and I might never have to think about it again. <laughs> what yes, was- it's really, it's really been a great feeling. There's an extra good feeling in that, you know, we, uh, there's all these sci-fi stories about downloading your consciousness and, living forever and between my Simpsons book, Springfield Confidential and this podcast, that's the entirety of my life. I literally, you know, if, if I drop dead tomorrow and I think about this and I think about it because I go to dangerous places, if I die, it's all been downloaded there. Yes. You know, it's exactly. all there. Buy the book, listen to the podcast or get the book out of the library and listen to the podcast and, you can get the entirety of my life for free. Right. I think, I think it's a wonderful thing. Like, it's nice to have something that, you know, obviously we, I, I hope that you're here with us for another 40 years traveling and having these adventures, but like it is, it is, there's something that reminds me of what George Carlin had said, where, you know, he liked having all his stuff up on a shelf because he felt like, you know, if something ever happened, he could always look up at the shelf and be like, 
that was it. Good job. You know, like everything is collected and done in one place. Um, let me ask you, what was the trip that you just went on? The, what was the, the, big... the trip we took was we took a submarine dive to the Titanic. Oh, wow. And this, even for our most jaded friends, this really sort of blew their mind that uh, we, we some, it was a friend of ours in Seattle said, I just heard about something that sounds just like you guys. And it was this guy in Seattle building his own submarines and then taking them where subs have never gone before. So we took a submarine ride with him a thousand feet down just off of Staten Island. So yeah, just off of Staten Island is something called the Hudson Canyon, which is as big as the Grand Canyon, but underwater. And, we went in his little sub, which is like just sort of driving a minivan into the water. <laughs> and we went to the bottom and we looked at him. We go, well, that was pretty great. And it was only when we came back to the surface, he said, you know, you're the first people ever to go there. And it's like, what? You know, I want to be like the 85th guy to go there. <laughs> I want you to get the kinks out of it. So once he had done that, he built another sub to go two and a half miles down to the oh. Titanic. And, uh, and, you know, this is brand new and, you know, 90% of his launches don't get launched. And, uh, but we, we rolled the dice and we were just, we just took a boat to the middle of the North Atlantic and, uh, it was my wife's dream. It was my wife's birthday. You know, this was her gift that she got to go in the sub to the Titanic and then right before we get on the sub, they do a COVID test and she's got COVID. Oh, no. So I, I had to go alone. And it's like, this is not my dream. I don't want to go at all. And uh, that was it. We went, I, we went down and saw the Titanic and there it was. And uh, I could have died, but I didn't. And then the worst part of it is you come back and there's a documentary crew there going, what did you think? And what I thought was, <laughs> It's okay. Right. It was fine. I was was blown away. You know, it looked like it does in the movies. It looked, it was okay. I love, I I hope that that's what they put on the poster for that documentary. (laughs) But it was, it was okay. (laughs) It was Uh, whelming. (laughs) Let me, let me ask you this because does your, does your wife have a list that she's working off of in terms of just going to these places or is it just sort of like, more of on a whim let's let's go to antarctica it's purely on a whim it is purely that's what i like you know where people say you're trying to hit every country in the world it's like no we're not doing that at all it's it's like one night we were at a party and we met a guy who had just married a woman he'd met on the internet from ivory coast on in west africa and he says to my wife well if you're ever in ivory coast look me up and you should never say that to my wife because we immediately go home and she starts booking a trip to Ivory Coast. And we went there and nobody goes to Ivory Coast. And we went there and we show up at the guy's house and he's going, who, who are you? He had no memory of meeting us at a party. But that got us to the Ivory Coast. And it was one of the most interesting trips we ever took. My favorite thing about Ivory Coast is <laughs> they have the Vatican there. They had they had a, a a leader who was a devout Catholic, one of these crazy presidents, and so in the middle of the jungle, he built 
he tried to build an exact copy of the Vatican, oh, wow. but he thought, let's make it a little bit smaller so we won't embarrass the real Vatican. And by accident, it came out much bigger than the Vatican. Wow. And nobody goes to see it. It's just a, a slightly bigger version of the Vatican sitting in the middle of the jungle in the Ivory Coast. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing you have to go there to find out about. Right. Let me ask you, is she, is she eyeing the space travel? Like, is she following space tourism? I, I, I had to imagine the answer was yes, but I, I figured I'd ask. Like, is she already preparing to, to go up there? We're already, we're, we've already been burnt out by the system, which was in 2018, there were two missions to Mars planned. There was one, you might remember, it was going to be a reality show. It was a test yes. reality show. In fact, we made fun of it on The Simpsons. We did a whole episode about it. Uh, but they were going to send 20 people to Mars to die there. There was no way back. They were just they would just go, you know, we'll send you to Mars and hope you make it. And if you die, <laughs> that's good TV. And they got 250,000 applications. That's right. So that, but... The one that intrigued us was they just wanted to send a flyby to Mars. They wanted to send, they wanted, to, they were looking for a childless middle-aged couple to send in a rocket to fly by Mars, take pictures, and come back. And they wanted a childless middle-aged couple because if they died, who cares? Right. right? <laughs> sure. So we volunteered. We volunteered and we knew uh Neil deGrasse Tyson. We knew him in college. Back then, he was just Neil Tyson because, you know, he smoked deGrasse. <laughs> but uh, Neil recommended us for this program. And uh, I think we made the first cut. Uh, and then the whole mission got called off. They didn't have the money to do it. But so, yes, my wife was sending us to really near certain death in Mars <laughs> before it was hit, before it was a cool thing to do. Um, so we're, I'm almost up on time. So before I get to my last question, just tell us again where where to find the podcast. Um, what episode maybe you would recommend people start with? Yes. Okay. It's called "What Am I Doing Here?" or "What Am I Doing Here with Mike Reese?" R E I S S. Uh, if you Google it, you'll find it. If you you know, and it's on Spotify and and uh, Apple iTunes. It's all of those places, and you can just stream it right off the web at uh believe network b-l-e-a-v but just just google what am i doing here um and that's it i think you'll you'll all enjoy it was there something else they're supposed yeah. to tell them oh no that, that was perfect uh the last question i have is so you've been together with your wife for a really long time you've gone on all of these adventures uh what is i think you've stumbled on the secret for a happy marriage and so i would love to ask like what is what is the secret that keeps you two together and going on all these adventures the, the secret of my marriage is uh, we got married the same week the Berlin Wall fell. And I just abandoned all free will. I just, <laughs> uh, you know, I always say the East Germans got their freedom and I lost mine. And uh, it's been working out really well all along. It's just sort of, you know, the, I, I don't know if you're allowed to say it anymore, but then say happy wife, happy life. And True. that's been the secret. She likes to do these things and makes her happy. And so I go along with it. And 
you know, the world is full of things that men are only doing to make their wives happy. And I don't think wives realize it. I think, I think they think, oh, men love going to Broadway musicals with me. And we don't. The whole Broadway industry is, is kept alive by eager wives and subservient husbands. Yes. And I'm happy. I'm happy it, it works. It's worked for me. Well, that's our show. Our apologies to the band. Very sorry. We just uh, we ran out of time. You know, things happen. It's the nature of the biz. But hey, listen. Do you uh? You got a minute? Okay, come on. I know you do. Like you're chilling. You're big chilling. You're just sitting here listening to the podcast, right? So why don't you take a mosey on over? You know, just leave us a little leave us a little review. You know? No, no, no. Listen. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Everybody asks you guys to leave a review. Everybody's all about leave a review on our podcast and everything. But let me tell you, man, it really helps. You know, it helps get the word out about all of your favorite shows. You know, so like, what what are you waiting for? Take out your phone. Leave us a review. And uh, no. Hey, hey, I thought I told you to stop smoking that shit around here. All right. You want to go? Okay, man. All right, bud. Let's throw hands. Let's do this. Bro, I sit around waiting to fucking fight you, bro. Let's go. I'll fucking crush you. you <laughs> oh are you guys still listening Whew. make sure to leave us that review we gotta get the hell out of here man this guy's aggressive okay your 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 middle name is macho but uh i'm wondering if you ever cry you ever has a macho man ever cried oh yeah really uh-huh it's okay for macho men to show every emotion available right there you know because i've cried a thousand times i'm gonna cry some more but I've soared with the eagles, and I've slithered with the snakes, and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life, and that there are no guarantees. Yeah. And I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy. So if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up, and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right?